بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد باب تفسير التوحيد وشهادة أن لا إله إلا الله That's the chapter we now come to باب the chapter تفسير التوحيد the explanation of توحيد وشهادة أن لا إله إلا الله and the explanation of the testimony of La ilaha illallah. What chapter number is this? Number six. So this is the sixth chapter. Prior to this, we worked through five chapters. Tamam. The first chapter, what was the first chapter title? Naam? Haqqullah al-Ibad. The right of Allah upon his servants. Naam. And the servants' right upon Allah. Tayyib. The second chapter. Fadlul Tawheed. Wama yukafir. Min ad The virtue and excellence of a Tawheed and that which it wipes away from sins. The third chapter. The third chapter. Whoever perfects a Tawheed. Mother enters paradise without accountability. Tamam. That's the third. The fourth. The fear of a shirk. The fear of a shirk. And the last chapter we took, the fifth. A da'wah. Calling to a tawheed, calling to the kalima. Tamam. So this brings us to the sixth chapter. Um, but before we do so, this is a nice point for us to um, look at how the Imam authored this book and what he intended behind it. Because indeed, my brothers, this, this, this kitab, this book is undoubtedly and inarguably, يعني, the topic of this book is the most important topic that a book can be authored about and the most important topic one could study a tawheed the very reason and purpose for why we're being created and so this imam rahimahullah for a moment if we just look at how he authored this book because it's not just various chapters he just scrambled and brought together randomly but before we now go on and continue with the sixth chapter we're going to look at the thinking of this Imam and the way that he approached this kitab. So, as you can see there, the first five chapters so far. I mentioned that the first one is the right of Allah upon the servants and the servants' right upon Allah. That was the first chapter. The second chapter, the excellence of a tawheed and that which it wipes away from sins. The third, whoever perfects tawheed will enter paradise without reckoning. The fourth, the fear of a shirk. The fifth, calling to the shahada. Um, and also, we don't want to approach this kitab in a manner which is like, يعني, it just becomes academic and we just work through it um, with the intent of working through a book and just uh, يعني, going through it from beginning to end and being able to say to ourselves and to others, yes, we, I went through Kitab al-Tawheed. 
يعني that you've achieved something void of fully understanding that which is within it. As we said, the, given the importance of this topic, this is one of those books that, of course, besides the Quran, one of those books from the books that have been authored, one of those books that in one's lifetime, it's a must. It's a must to have gone through this kitab and to have understood it. And if there's any book that you're going to study in detail and fully understand from cover to cover, it's got to be this. It's got to be this kitab, Kitab Tawheed. Now, and so before we continue, we just want to <coughs> recap what we've taken so far, working through each chapter. So the first chapter, as we said, the right of Allah upon the servants. Um, in no specific order, we want to make mention, well, I want you guys to, to mention and to share um, with us that which we've learned from each chapter. So the first chapter, what did we take from that which the Imam, he, he brought for us <clears throat> within this first chapter? In fact, let's start with the, what's the, what's the very, very first verse that the Imam, he brought? Does anyone remember the very first verse that the Imam brought in this kitab? Naam. And how befitting. How befitting to bring that verse as the first verse to open this kitab or to, to start this kitab with. I did not create the jinn or mankind except to worship me alone. In fact, some scholars say that that chapter heading that you see there, um, that the Imam, he authored the, the, the book and this particular chapter he left without a heading. And he immediately went into that verse. Immediately went into that verse. Um, seeing that that was sufficient enough to begin the kitab. And hence why also the, he, he opposed the, the normal practice of many of the authors. In that they begin with the basmala and the alhamdulillah. They begin with the alhamdulillah and the opening and the introduction. He began with no introduction. He began with the verse immediately. Because that's the clam of Allah, the speech of Allah. And it's sufficient. We don't need anything else. And given that the topic is this topic of a tawheed. And this verse is, it is apt that this verse is mentioned at the very beginning. So that was the first verse that the imam he mentioned. What else, what else do, we, do we take from this, from this chapter? You can look to your notes. Naam? Naam, naam. So another verse that he brought, Another verse, and what we took from this verse, or firstly the verse is that Allah, he mentioned that we sent a, a messenger to every nation proclaiming to uh, his people uh, worship Allah and avoid the false deities, the false gods. So what do we take from that verse? One of the, one of the benefits that the Imam he brought concerning that verse. To worship Allah alone, that's clear. And that's one of the, that, that is the main shahid 
behind that verse. But also to every nation, to every ummah, this was the call. And the deen of the Anbiya is Wahid. We can take all that from that verse. That the religion of the Anbiya is one. They all call to this, to Tawheed. Naam. Anything else? The meaning of life, the purpose of life, Ahsant. The purpose of life, the purpose behind the creation. Al-Ghaya min al-Khalq. The objective behind the creation of men and jinn. Naam. And Ahsant, Naam. That anything else that is worshipped besides Allah is a ta'ut. Naam, Muhammad. Do you have something? Uh-huh. We, we, get, we gave some detail there. We said that, yes, one definition, Ahsant, I think you're referring to the definition that was given by some of the scholars that the ta'ut is ma'ubida min duni labahu raadin. That which is worshipped besides Allah whilst being pleased with that worship. And so, for example, we said those who would not be considered from the Tawarit would be Isa salam and other than him, Salihin and so on. Naam. But then from another perspective, Tawut could include everything that is worshipped besides Allah because the, if you go back to the origin of the word Tawra is to go beyond bounds, transgress and so on. So anything that is worshipped besides Allah it becomes a ta'ud from that perspective in the sense that those who worship that deity, that object, um, have transgressed. Have transgressed with regards to, to uh, that object and directed worship to them. Uh, the, what about the, the title heading that we see here? Because some of the scholars do put a title to this chapter. Um, where did he take that from? The hadith, which hadith? The hadith of Mu'ad ibn Jabal. Wherein, what, what took place in that hadith? He said, I was radif, right? He said, what does radif mean? One who sits behind as a rider, behind uh, another on a riding animal. <clears throat> Naam. And what was the contents of the hadith? You, you, if you've memorized it, or if you, even if you haven't memorized it. He said, yeah, Mu'ad, what did he say? He began with the question. Atadri, do you know? Do you know the right of the servants upon Allah and the servants' right upon Allah? The right of Allah upon the servants and the servants' right upon Allah. Mu'ad, what did he say? He said, Allah and his messenger know best. And another benefit we learned from that is that the one who doesn't know that's what he says. He says, Allah knows best. And in the lifetime of the Rasul, the Sahaba would say, Allah and his messenger know best. But after his lifetime, then we say, Allahu A'lam. Allah knows best. Naam. And we don't say, Allah and his messenger know best. Tayyib. So then, what did the messenger of Allah, of Allah respond with? Naam. The right of Allah upon his servants is that they worship him alone. And the right of the servants is what? That he will not punish the one who does not associate partners with him. 
Tamam. So that was the first chapter. I mean, you know, there are many, many points, um, but we want to take the main points from each chapter. The second chapter, the excellence of, of Tawheed. What did we learn about the virtues of Tawheed? That's the second chapter. Fadl al-Tawheed. Mm-hmm. Will enter paradise. The one who, who, who comes with Tawheed, then he will enter paradise. And the opposite is what? The one who meets Allah with a shirk will not enter paradise. Naam. The hadith of, uh, of Abad ibn Samit. Anyone remember that hadith? Wherein the messenger of Allah said, Whoever testifies, man shahida, hmm? an la ilaha illallah, an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna muhammadan, mada? Hmm? Abduhu, wa rasooluh, wa? And that Isa al-Islam is, abduhu wa rasooluh, and? Kalimatuh, remember? Al-Qa'ila ila Maryam, wa ruhum min, that he is his word, that he bestowed unto Mary and a spirit from him, meaning a spirit and a soul that he created, that Allah created, naam. And that paradise is true and hellfire is true. Then what? Then what? That's not the end of the hadith. No. Allah will enter him into Jannah. Whatever his actions may be. Whatever his actions may be. Naam. Tayyib. Tayyib. From the third chapter. Whoever perfects Tawheed will enter paradise without reckoning. Tayyib. Anyone recall any of the evidences that the Imam he brought? And the main, the main uh, evidence that points towards this chapter heading or proves this chapter heading is that hadith, the hadith of the 70,000 naam, which consisted of what? Anyone recall the narrator? Naam? Mm-hmm. Naam, that's correct. And? What took place? He was sitting with who? Is it Sa'ad? Sa'id ibn Jubair. Close. Sa'id ibn Jubair. And what did Sa'id ask? Who saw, who from amongst you saw the shooting star last night? To which Hussein responded and said, he did. Tamam. And then? He said he wasn't praying. And why did he say that? Why did he highlight the fact that he wasn't praying? Yes, Muhammad. To not praise himself and yeah, attribute to himself that which was not within him. And this was the way of the Salaf, one of the benefits that we took, that, this, that the Salaf would not praise themselves with that which wasn't in them. Now, Tayyib, until he said what? Why was he awake? Why couldn't he sleep? He was stung by a poisonous scorpion. Tamam. 
طيب then what happened? Said, what did he say to him? He said, he said, what? He said, what did you do? And he said that he sought Rukia. He sought for Rukia. طيب then he said what? Hmm? What made you do that? And then he said a hadith. The hadith which is basically that there's no ruqya except from what? The poisonous thing and the evil eye. And what's the meaning of the hadith? Is that the only two things that you can make ruqya from? Hmm? We said that the, the maqsood, and Sheikh bin Baz said that the maqsood, the intent behind that hadith is what? If there's anything that's haq or worthy of ruqya, it's these. But you can see, you can do ruqya for other than that. But if there's anything that you're going to do ruqya for, then it's these two matters. Tamam. Then he went on to mention, Sa'id, what did he mention? The hadith, na'am, wherein the Messenger of Allah said, How does the hadith begin? I don't know how the hadith begins. Naam. It's, a, it's a lengthy hadith, remember? Ayo. He, he, he then mentioned the hadith of Ibn Abbas. Naam. Naam. He saw what was displayed before him? The nations. The nations were displayed before him. The Rasul The nations were displayed before him. And uh, from them, uh, a nation uh, who, uh, يعني, that consisted of a rahut. And that, that rahut, we said, is a number between three to nine. And that he saw a prophet and he had with him one or two men. One or two men. And then he saw a large group, a large nation, and he thought it was his nation, but he was told that it was the nation of Musa alayhi salam. Naam. Until? Then a prophet also, Ahsan Naam, a prophet who would come with no followers. Ahsan Naam. Until, finally, uh, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi was displayed to him. And he said, from them, what did he say? From them are... 70,000 who will enter Jannah without hisab, without accountability, without reckoning, and without adab, punishment. Who are they? Those who don't request ruqya. What does that mean? Request it. They go and they seek it themselves. Tayyip, what does that exclude? Somebody? Does it himself, on himself, that's, that's fine, no problem. That doesn't enter into this. Nah, you've all come with the same answer. That somebody comes and performs a rukya on him without requesting it. So that person is excluded. And is not considered of those who go against that which is mentioned here. So there are those who, la, what in Arabic? They don't seek the rukya. And then the second characteristic of the 70,000, which means they don't cauterize themselves. 
What does that mean? To cauterize. To cure with fire. Tamam. And the third? There's one before that. No. Nor do they believe in bad omens. And they, re- they have total reliance upon their Lord. The fourth chapter. The fourth chapter. Al-Khawf min al-Shirk. Anyone recall the first verse that he brought in that chapter? What's the verse that we would use or quote when explaining to someone that Allah does not forgive shirk? Huh? Indeed, Allah does not forgive that partners are set, set up with him. Shirk is committed with him, but he forgives lesser than that to whomsoever he pleases. And that is clear. Or it should be uh, clear to an individual that shirk is the greatest of sins and he should strike fear into somebody or into the person who hears this and knows of this that Allah Ta'ala does not forgive this sin. So that should no doubt instill fear into an individual. And he brought um, the saying of Ibrahim salam also from the Quran. What did he say? Now? You're saying, all I'm hearing is maybe the beginning. And which means keep me and my sons away from worshipping the idols. So we see here that Ibrahim salam, the one who was the Khalil, the one who was an Ummah in and of himself, Ummah meaning here, as the scholars they mention, is the reason why he was described as an Ummah is that, that it is rare to have within one individual all of the traits that Ibrahim Islam possessed, but normally you would find them within an Ummah, spread within an Ummah. But because he possessed all of these praiseworthy traits, Allah referred to him as an Ummah in and of himself. The fifth chapter, and this is again, there's much more that we covered, but this is just for us to recap. Um, coming straight to the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, where he mentioned that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he sent someone to Yemen. Who did he send? Mu'ad ibn Jabal. What did he say to him? He said, he, he, he prepared him to, he prepared him يعني, with the knowledge of who he was coming to, who was he going to. Ahlul Kitab. Naam. And he said, Innaka ta'ti qawman min Ahlul Kitab. Indeed, you are coming to a people of the book, Jews and Christians. Then what did he say? La ilaha illallah. Naam. That the first thing that you call them to be the shahada, La ilaha illallah. And in one word in? Naam. Yuwahid Allah. Naam. That they single out Allah with worship. Naam. And then the hadith, the rest of the hadith goes on to mention what? Very briefly. Uh, but with the, the, the messenger of Allah, he placed a condition though. Before he, before he calls them to anything else. Naam. If they obey you in that, if they obey you in that, meaning they accept, accept La ilaha illallah, the meaning of it. 
and believe in it. Only then inform them of the salah. And then if they accept that, inform them of the zakat. Naam. And then until the end of the hadith, which then brings us to the sixth chapter. Um, but as, a, as you can see, we have the chapter headings there, but if we now look at it as a glance, and we look at the intent behind these chapters, the first chapter we see that we take from that the purpose of life and the obligation upon us. The purpose of life and the obligation that is upon us, which is Tawheed. And from the second chapter, we learn, and we, what we take away from that is the reward for carrying that out. The reward for carrying out that Tawheed. The third chapter is an encouragement to perfect it. Because if you perfect it, you get the greatest reward, or one of the greatest rewards, which is that you will enter without punishment. Enter paradise without punishment and without reckoning. Tamam. The fourth chapter, what we take from that is that the Tawheed cannot be fulfilled and actualized except by staying away from its opposite. Except by, except by staying away from its opposite, a shirk, which is the opposite of a Tawheed. Thereafter, the fifth chapter, the Imam, the reason why he brought that there is to show to us that after fulfilling the Tawheed, after fulfilling Tawheed for ourselves, then we must call others to it. We cannot hoard this Tawheed to ourselves and withhold it from the rest of the creation. Because the, all of the creation has been created for this Tawheed, and so we must call others to it. So these are the first five chapters. Now, we're going to see uh, the methodology or the um, way that the Imam now brings the rest of the chapters. Firstly, anyone know the number of chapters within this kitab? The number of chapters? 61? Or 67? Uh, I know why you're saying 61. But also, I know why you're saying 67. 67 is correct. 61, if we're going to exclude the first six chapters, and there's a reason behind that. No, we're not going to exclude them, but we're going to put them into a separate category. So, if you look at the first five chapters, the Imam, what he intended behind that is... An introduction to the rest of the chapters. So the rest of the chapters are going to that are going to follow from these first five chapters. These first five are introduction and a brief description. They contain a brief description of Tawheed, its obligation, its virtues, its rewards, its opposite, and the need to call to it. And as we mentioned, this is pretty. This is kind of similar to what um, is. Is contained within Surah Al-Asr. Surah Al-Asr gives to us, uh, in brief form, that which is needed to be successful and to be saved from that loss. Yom Al-Qiyamah. Wal-Asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa ladina amanu wa amil salihat wa tuwasu bil-haq wa tuwasu bil-sabr. So here we have Allah describing the four characteristics. 
that are required in order for a person to be saved. These four will bring about salvation, but the detail of that has come in the rest of the Quran. But Wal Asr serves as a brief description. A brief description. And so in that same manner, these first five, chap five chapters serve for us a brief introduction to Tawheed, its obligation, virtues, rewards, the one who perfects it, what he achieves, the opposite, and the need to call to it. Now comes the detail. Now comes the detail. So the sixth chapter, as we read out at the very beginning, is the tafsir of a tawheed, the explanation of tawheed, and the testimony of la ilaha illallah, an explanation of that. And the, the uh, sixth chapter is a quick, general, a quick general breakdown of the meaning of Tawheed and what, it, um, and what opposes it. So it's, it's as though, as, um, as Sheikh Ibn Athamir rahimahullah, he mentioned, it's as though after calling a person or other than yourself to Tawheed, فَكَأَنَّ النُّفُوسِ اشْتَاقْتْ إِلَى مَعْرِفَةِ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ وَتَفْسِيرَ It's as though the people, the people that you've called to, Tawheed, and have accepted it, it's as though their, their souls now desire and long for knowing the meaning in detail. Now, give me a bit more detail now, because you've told me that this is what we've been created for. You've told me that these, this is uh, the, the reward and the excellence of, of Tawheed, and this is the opposite. But now give me more detail, because surely something of this great yani, uh, station, that which we've been created for, that which holds this great station and virtue, then surely there's some detail behind that, and... Um, in order for a person to complete it and perfect it and to stay away from those things that oppose it or uh, make it uh, weak or deficient, then please give us that detail. So now comes the detail and the explanation of that. Uh, and so this sixth chapter which we're going to cover um, is a quick general breakdown of the meaning of Tawheed and what opposes it. Thereafter, from the seventh chapter until the six, 67th, is a detailed breakdown. A detailed breakdown of the meaning of Tawheed. What opposes it in its asl, in its foundation. Yani that which completely opposes Tawheed. From a shirk al-akbar, for example. Or what opposes it, oh, as Sheikh Salah al-Sheikh, he mentioned, and, and I'll, read, I'll read to you his, what he said. He said, Al-Imam qasad, qasad bi kitab al-Tawheed, bayan al-Tawheed, wa ma yunafi. من من أصله أو في كماله أو يضعفه أو ما يوصل يوصل إلى ذلك أو ما يوصل إلى ذلك. He said that the Imam, what he intended by this book is to explain Tawheed, to explain that which opposes it, either in its أصل and its core and foundation, or that which violates or that which يعني, uh, 
um, incompletes it, makes it deficient. That which, that which opposes it in its kamal, in its complete nature. Yani, so that which will make it incomplete. Or that which that which makes it weak. Or that which leads to that. To leads to any of that. So for example, if you look at chapter... Firstly, actually, if we look at chapter 7. From shirk is to wear a ring, a twine. In order to remove or prevent harm. So now we can see that Imam is now bringing detail. He's breaking it down. The 8th chapter, what has come regarding Rukia and tamaim, talismans and amulets. So given as examples and details. And although we uh, covered in the third chapter that, who's, that those who don't seek the ruqya uh, will enter paradise without reckoning and without punishment, the imam didn't actually go into detail about that. He didn't go into any detail. In this chapter, he will go into detail about ruqya. Um, the ninth chapter, whoever seeks blessings from a tree, stone, or the likes. Now, if you look at the tenth and the eleventh chapter, so the tenth chapter, what has come regarding sacrificing for other than Allah? Dhabh, Allah. The eleventh chapter, the chapter that immediately follows it, is what is sacrificed for Allah is not to be done in the places where sacrifices for other than Allah are carried out. Because sacrificing for other than Allah is major shirk. As for sacrificing for Allah alone, but in the places where sacrifices are made for other than Allah, although that sacrifice in and of itself, the sacrifice is for Allah, however, doing it in a place where other sacrifices are made for other than Allah, then this leads, it's a wasila, it's a means to now leading an individual to eventually sacrificing for other than Allah. Naam. So, uh, again, this is that, that, that's a quick example of the, the intent of the Imam behind uh, these chapters and how, why he brought the chapters in, in, in this manner. Indeed, the Imam, he, as we mentioned before, is not just a random gathering of chapters together, but a book which has been authored with the utmost um, thought and consideration and indeed a book which has not been authored like yeah, in, in, in this manner before. Which other book do you know concerning Tawheed that has been authored in this manner? And also as another benefit that Sheikh, uh, Sheikh, uh, our Sheikh, Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan, he mentioned, although you have many of those who hate this Imam, make clear their hatred and their bogh for this imam and those who take this imam as an imam someone to be followed someone to take from those those who study his books they call them wahhabis and so on have you ever seen any of them from the sufiya from the quburiya from those who worship others besides allah those who have who go to exaggeration with their awliya and the salihin with their imams and so on and those who are in the graves. Have you ever seen a refutation of Kitab al-Tawheed? Have you ever heard of a refutation? Any, somebody who has come and refuted this Kitab 
or even a chapter, a single chapter from this kitab. That, hold on, the imam here was wrong. He said this, it's wrong. Not possible, because the imam, what does he do throughout this book? His methodology is what? His method is, is chapter heading, and these are the evidences for it, either from the kitab or the sunnah. So, an amazing book, and uh, this now brings us to uh, the sixth chapter, and that quick general breakdown of the meaning of Tawheed and what opposes it. Thereafter, all of the other chapters we're going to go into detail. Now, and so, um, that's the chapter we come to. Bab, Tafsir Tawheed, wa shaharati an la ilaha illallah. Now, wa qawli ta'ala, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ أَيَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ الْوَسِيلَىٰ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبَىٰ The saying of Allah the Most High, those whom they call upon, like Isa ibn Maryam, like, the son of, like Jesus the son of Mary, and Uzair, this is what has come in the tafsir of it, of the verse. يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ الْوَسِيلَىٰ they themselves, they seek a means of access to their Lord. Ayyuhum aqrab, as to which one of them is the nearest and should be the nearest. It's meaning that they themselves, those who call upon them. So, for example, the Christians who call upon Isa alayhi Isa himself, he seeks to draw near to Allah himself or an angel. If an angel was to be worshipped, for those who worship angels, they themselves, anyone from the creation, or those who themselves seek to draw near to Allah, for those who worship them, this verse demonstrates to them and shows to them that those that you call upon they themselves do not have the right to be worshipped because they um, themselves, they seek to draw near to Allah. Here concerning this verse, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, um, he mentions here that the Mu'allif Huna, or Bayyan al-Mu'allif Huna, Tafsir al-Tawheed. The Imam here, he explained the uh, meaning of Tawheed uh, and of the kalima la ilaha illallah bima yuwafiq lafzaha wa bima yudaduha li'anna shay yu'raf bididdih the imam has يعني, he explains to heed here by um, bringing that which agrees with its meaning um and also by that which opposes it. Because a shay yu'raf Because something becomes known and understood by its opposite. And it has been said. By their opposites do things become clear. By their opposites things or matters become clear. And so, if you want to understand Tawheed and know what Tawheed is, you need to understand 
the shirk. If you want to know what sunnah is, then you need to know what bid'ah is. If you want to know what obedience, ta'a to Allah is, then you need to know what ma'asiyah is, what disobedience is. If you want to know what halal is, then you need to know what haram is. Naam. Um, the Imam he says concerning the saying of Allah, uh, those whom they call upon. Um, what, he, what is intended here is those such as the Malaika. Naam. Naam. This ayah here? So there's a typo there. So a typo in Arabic there. above the in the damir. It should be maksur with a kasra. So here, what's intended here is those who they call upon, such as the angels and the anbiya and the salihin. And that those righteous ones who they call upon, they themselves, they don't possess any ability to remove harm. Because the verse before Allah mentions that they're not able to even shift the harm from one person to another. And even, um, as an example, they're not able to shift that which has afflicted a person. So if some harm has, has afflicted a person in his head, some ailment, for example, he's not able to shift it from his head to his foot. So this is the intention or the uh, meaning behind tahwila, which has come in the verse before. Where Allah Taala He mentions, say to them, call upon those who you claim um, to be, uh, the, يعني, uh, helpers besides Allah. فلا يملكون كشف الضر They do not possess the ability to remove harm from you. ولا tahwila. Nor are they able to shift it. Now, And so if this is the case with these righteous beings from the angels and from the, um, from the humans, then what about then the idols? What about then the idols? Then that is more so. Now, the... Imam then brings the next verse. Naam. وَقَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِي وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بُرَآءَ Naam. مِمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينَ نعم وجعلها كلمة باقية في عقبه لعلهم يرجعون. That's the saying of Allah the Most High. And remember when Ibrahim said to his father, 
and his people. Verily I am free. Free from that which you worship. Or free of that which you worship. Now, Except him who created me. Verily he will guide me. And he made it a word lasting among his offspring. Who made it a word lasting? Naam, Ibrahim al-Islam. That's taken from where? So this, this here, He made it a word lasting. Uh, amongst his offspring, that is taken from the saying of Allah Taala in Surah Al-Baqarah, "Wawasa Ibrahim, Libani, Wayaqub. Inna Allah stafalakum al-Din, fala tamutunna illa wa antum Muslimun. Wawasa bihi Ibrahim, and Ibrahim wawasa bihi. He, يعني he advised and ordered with it, meaning this kalima and with tawheed. Bani, his, his, his children. Wa-Ya'qub, and likewise, Ya'qub. Inna Allah astafa lakum ad-deen. Ya, ya, ya Bani. Ya, ya Bani. Inna Allah astafa lakum ad-deen. Indeed, Allah has chosen for you the deen, this deen of Tawheed. فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ so Do not die except that you are Muslims. أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبَ الْمَوْتِ Or were you present and witnesses when death appeared to Yaqub when he said to his children he said what will you worship when Yaqub on his deathbed he said to his children what will you worship after me Ibrahim wa Ismail wa Ishaq ilahan wahida wa nahnu lahu muslimun they said that we will worship na'am qalu na'budu ilahaka we will worship your lord wa ilaha abaik and the lord and the uh, deity and god of your fathers Ibrahim wa Ishaq Ibrahim wa Ismail wa Ishaq your father's Ibrahim, because remember these are the sons of Ya'qub, Jacob, the sons, addressing Ya'qub, saying, we will worship the God of your fathers. And he mentioned as his fathers, man, Ibrahim, Ismail, and Ishaq. As a point of benefit, the scholars mentioned here, that look how they included Ismail, who is their uncle. Who is their uncle? Because the sons of Ya'qub, Ya'qub was the son of Ishaq. So Ishaq is their grandfather. The brother of Ishaq is Ismail. So Ismail to them is their great uncle, an uncle. And so here they refer to him as the father. Ismail meaning, 
they referred to Ismail as, the, as one of the fathers of Yaqub. Proving that the uncle takes the station of the father. So that is a proof that is used by the scholars to say that the paternal uncle um, and the maternal uncle is like the father so the uh, woman can uncover in front of him because he's of the manzala of a father. Naam. Naam. So that's the ver second verse that the imam he brings. And here, Naam, here, Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Ubaz, he says um, that this is an explanation of Tawheed. Um, and that is taken from the saying, Innani mimma ta'budun. Indeed, I am free. Bara'un mimma ta'budun. I am free from that which you worship. Kaqawlina, that is like our saying, La ilaha. Waqawluhu illa ladhi fatharani. And he's saying, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he said, except for the one who created me, Kaqawlina illallah. That is like our saying, illallah. Naam. So here we have the explanation of uh, Tawheed. Naam. And so here, the meaning of Tawheed is to reject other than the worship of Allah, to believe in the butlan, in the false nature and the falsehood of that which is worshipped besides Allah and to reject it and to reject it very very important the Imam we're going to see at the end of this chapter he brings he brings uh, that as an important matter um, which goes back to uh, the likes of this this verse now uh, the Imam then he brings another verse or another couple of verses and hadith and perhaps we'll suffice with that uh, for this uh, lesson. And inshallah ta'ala we will continue with the remainder of the chapter in the next lesson. Wa billahi tawfiq. Hada wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa jazakum Allah khairan.